First of all, can I tell you this book cover of yours? I received it for my last birthday, and that's when I started reading all of your stuff. And this cover art is beautiful for everything. Mm, thank you. Did you design that, or how did that? I found out? the um, so the background color mm -hmm. um, with the different gradations of color was actually painted by a friend of mine, and it was just the colors. Mm. And then I found the heart um, when I was looking. I had a vision in my head of what I wanted. And um, it involved a, an anatomical heart in my vision. And then I was looking and looking and I found that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm done. That's it. And so when I overlaid that with the colors, it just was like, it, it was perfect to me. I loved it so much. I was like, this is it. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, it's striking. I've spent a lot of time just staring at the cover. Welcome to Bonding Time. This episode is with Chris Camille. She's an author and a retreat leader, and she curates and leads lots of beautiful things. You guys should all follow her if you're not already to be a part of the things she's putting out in the world. Chris is a gracious and graceful human that she just is so good with words she did an amazing job just drawing me closer to the heart of god she was scheduled the first time to record with me and we had to cancel because of mr fletcher in the hospital so we rescheduled for right after i got out i was very brain dead and nervous going into it and she was calming and wonderful and professional and she just is someone who knows how to bring light and truth and beauty and mix them all together and it is very good for the soul so i am so excited to share this conversation with you guys if you would take a minute to share with a friend share on your socials or like or rate a review that always means so much to me i wanted to just hear a little bit about your latest book and um, if that kind of led from the process of writing your book, I think I read that it kind of took you a long process to like mm. fully get that book, give birth to that book. And then did that evolve into your retreats or was that something separate? That was separate. The retreats came first actually. So okay. I started hosting the retreats um, well, the first one was in 2014 and, um, that was really an act of obedience. I think it was one of the, um, I feel like I've had a lot of moments of surrender with God, like so many moments, but that was one that was sort of like, a um, a, a super pivotal moment for me to host that first retreat. And then this, the, everything is yours book. Um, was, yeah, it was a five-year project of really just wrestling through um, that whole process of trying to write it and, of course, having to live it before I could write it. And um, it's kind of, I, th I think in a lot of ways, it was a situation where you sort of have a vision for something, but you only have maybe part of the vision. Yeah. And sometimes I think when we have a vision for something, we feel like we have the whole thing and we're like, you know, we feel like it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very clear with that project that I did not have the whole vision. I had a piece of it and um, there was a lot of inner work that God needed to do with me, I think, to get me to the point where I could actually publish it. 
So it was a long, a long wrestle. Yeah, man, that's a really profound thought that like when you, you are in the middle of something you think is the full thought, maybe it's just like a fraction of what's the process. Mm -hmm. Can you dig into that? It seems like surrender is sort of your theme. Can you dig into what that means to you a little bit and what, like what you've learned and what you're compelled to teach other people about it? Yeah, it is my theme. Um, it's um, not, I feel like it's, I've been assured, I guess, in some ways that it is for sure my theme because it is the thing that I would never, ever have picked for myself. That's and right. I feel like that's one of those, like, for me, that's a clue that I know it's God's work and not me because I would never have latched onto this and thought, okay, this is what it's about. Um, and that has made it um, exciting in some ways and really, really hard in a lot of other ways. Mm -hmm. um, because it isn't something that I wanted to be my theme. Um, I'm a super independent kind of personality. I don't want to need anything from anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not healthy. I don't think that's, <laughs> ultimately, that's not a healthy attitude if it's taken, you know, too far. Sure. Um, and I think God has done a lot of work for me. My surrender journey has looked a lot of like sort of I'm going to say breaking my will, but I mean it in the best possible way. Like, I feel like God really has had to sort of take me apart in a lot of ways and put me back together in better ways. And most of it is just my resistance to needing um, anything or feeling like I need anything. I don't want to, I want to be able to do it myself. So maybe I'm, that makes me like a perpetual two-year-old, you know, I just want to do it myself. And I don't want anybody's help and I don't want to need anything. Um, but that that sort of came about, I guess the process really has been, um, it's affected every area of my life. That's what I'm trying to say. There is no corner of my life that surrender has not um, sort of rammed into. And I've had to deal with the reckoning of what that um, collision has looked like. Can you think of so, a story that comes to mind that you could tell that, that like stands out that that demonstrates yeah that. yeah there's one that I tell in the book um where I I had this whole situation unfold years ago where um I met with an an editor at a writing conference and the the way the whole meeting came about was totally like serendipitous I didn't have anything to do with it except it came about um because I had filled out a raffle ticket and so I won this sit down with an editor and she asked me if I had a book in mind and I pitched her this book like totally off the cuff. It was something I'd been thinking about, but I had like no preparation time really. It was just like, I won it at like lunchtime and I was supposed to meet with her at like one o'clock that day. So there was no time for me to like, I didn't have a proposal. I didn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I pitched this book to her and she said she was interested and I left the conference and went home and started working on that project, um, just furiously working on it nonstop. Um, paid a bunch of money to get my proposal edited, submitted it, and I really thought, um, because of the way so many of the pieces around that thing had unfolded, I got it in my mind that, um, <laughs> this is gonna sound so bad, but that essentially like this was gonna happen. Like she was going to, she was going to read this proposal and I was so naive. I had no idea how hard all of that work was. 
Um, I didn't know anything about publishing at that time. And so I just kind of thought, oh my gosh, God's opening all of these doors. Look at this. This is incredible. And um, that door like slammed shut um, months into the process. And it was one of those events where you're sort of just rattled. And I feel like in the grand scheme of life, and of course, in the season that you and I are talking about this, this feels like so trivial, like this whole publishing thing. But at the time, we weren't in a pandemic and we weren't dealing with some of these bigger issues. And it felt really big to me because publishing was a dream of mine. So it's like if, if whatever you could insert, whatever your dream is, um, and you are in a situation where everything is happening and doors are opening and you're walking through and you feel like, oh my gosh, my dreams are about to come true. And then all of a sudden, like the door slams and everything just falls on the floor. And it was like that. And everything just stopped. And I was so frustrated by the experience and really just kind of, it was, it was really, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but it was a come to Jesus moment because I sort of took all of my frustration and turned it towards the Lord and was like, what in the world? Like, why on earth would you do this? Why would you open all these doors just to close them? Uh, why would you let me get my hopes up? You know, like I just blamed him really for everything. Every experience I had, it was definitely his fault. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I took no, you know, I really didn't turn any of that on myself. And so I had this really kind of life altering moment in my bedroom closet where I was on my face praying and really just more venting to God than praying. I mean, it was like a hot, angry tears kind of moment. Yeah. And I just very clearly heard God speak to me um, in that, in that hour. And it just, that like literally altered the trajectory of my story. And that was one of those surrender moments where I knew God was saying, you have to give me that dream. Like you need to stop trying to make it happen on your own and you need to give it to me. Mm. And um, I didn't want to, you know, I was afraid to give it to God. I was afraid he was going to like, I don't know. I was afraid just what was he going to do with it, you know? Yeah. And so that whole process of learning to trust God, learning to surrender the things that I want or the things that I feel I should have or shouldn't experience or, you know, I mean, fill in the blank. We all have those things. Um, it was, it's just been a, a lifelong since then. That was about, uh, I guess that was, I want to say 2012, 2011, 2012. And ever since then, I've just been on this journey of like, I feel like God is kind of like, okay, we've dealt with that one. Now let's deal with this one. And I feel like I'm just in these constant seasons of like, what else do I need to surrender? Yeah. And so it really has become sort of the theme of my life is like, what else am I holding on to that I'm not willing to let go of? Yeah, man. Thanks for telling that story. Cause I'm <laughs> right in the middle of that, you know, and it's hard to feel like maybe your hope is wasted or your dreams are wasted. And seeing God a little bit different than that and better than that. And um, what gives you the courage though, after you're so disappointed and you kind of are mistrusting God to like keep going and keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing the mm. next right thing as Emily P. Freeman would say, what can you yes. help you do that? 
I think, I mean, I really, I really believe it's with God's help. Like, I don't think, you know, I would, I would love to say that like, oh, I have a program and this is how I do it. And it really isn't like that. I feel like it's so messy and it's so um, uncharted. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I would say all of the classic Sunday school answers, prayer, obviously for me, like I have to pray my way through. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's also just like learning to, what is it to walk with God? Like, what is it to be in a relationship with God where, where it's an exchange back and forth and it's not just, um, you know, God told me this or God told me that, but it's like to live in communion with God. What does that look like? And it's that continual, um, it's like leaning into that, that helps me get through it. And there are, you know, there are seasons where that's easier than others. And there's some seasons where I'm rebellious and I don't want to, and I'm back at that place where I'm crossing my arms and I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and God's like, well, you know, you can, you can stand there like that for a while. <laughs> You'll come around. You know? Yeah. And I well, do. I always do. <laughs> sure. Well, it's your, it's your, it's actually, it's my, um, default to, to either just get mad, like you're saying, or to, which I think is actually maybe more healthy, but then sometimes for me, I'm like, well, I guess it's a no, I guess this is just not meant for me. And I'll just quit something. I think to be self protecting instead of realizing like, well, you have to be refined and maybe there's something better. (laughs) Like quit trying to get from point A to point B so fast, maybe sit in the middle for a while. Like, you know, I've been really thankful sometimes for the things God makes me like wait for and not jump at the first opportunity. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, there's so much to be learned there, you know, and I would say the journey that God has had me on has really been um, a lot of discovery, like learning not only a lot about myself, which I have learned a lot about myself in the last several years, a lot of things I didn't want to know. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of you know, kind of ugly truth, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but also really just learning like who God really is, because I think that one of the things that I had to surrender and that I think we all do, if we're honest, is our perceptions of God yeah. and where those may be inaccurate, you know, and that's a really, I feel like that's a really um like earthquake territory, you know, that can really shake you when you start sort of looking at what, who do I believe God really is? And you start kind of laying those cards on the table and looking at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be really disconcerting. I feel like I'm very visual. And so even as I'm saying this, I get this picture of like sitting at a card table with God and I'm like putting the cards down and he's like, yeah, that's not me. Mm. Nope, not that one either. You know, and he's like taking these cards away And when, if that's how you're looking at things and you look down and you realize like, wait, where did all of those things go? What's real, what's left, you know, that can be a really, um, just a shaken, it just feels like you're being shaken down, you know? Absolutely. And that's hard. That's a hard place to walk through. Totally. Right. I mean, that kind of feels like when you get into that kind of thinking, it feels like you're standing on the edge of a cliff. (laughs) Yes. Oh man. Yeah. And yeah. Well, um, it I, brings out all your self-preservation, you know, like if you're a self-preservationist, it brings out all those fears of like, wait, if, if I thought that was true, then, you know, it becomes like this snowball of then what else is not true? What else am I believing that's not right? You know, and it can just become this really big, messy tangle of like trying to unpack it all. 
Yeah. My best friend will tell me like, I don't think that's how God talks to you. Well, like whenever I'm <laughs> saying all these things I'm disappointed in or my self-condemnation. And it's been really interesting the last few years to sit down and be like, yeah, what, what does his true voice sound like? And you have to kind of like wipe away the, you know, even your parents or the pastors or whoever's made an impression on you because mm-hmm. they're, they're just people. But sometimes you get that mixed up with um, the voice of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's important work. I think it's work really we should all be doing. Um, I know it's work I wasn't doing for years and years and years. I just didn't want to go there. That's hard. And I feel like God sort of dragged me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get to a point where it's like, okay, I've hit my ceiling. I've got to go there. Yep. So what's been true about that? Everything we just talked about going through this last year have you felt any of that with your retreats dealing with have you had to like pivot and change and surrender Mm -hmm. and deal with some fear with the with um the pandemic and everything oh my gosh yeah like I was literally just on the phone with a friend about an hour ago about it. it it's just been a constant source of wrestling for me because um you know the retreats that I host are in person obviously And, um, you know, we're not doing a lot of in-person gatherings right now. And the the unknowns of the situation that we're all navigating right now have felt very heavy. Um, And it's been a season of really having to surrender. Even the the, the retreat itself, the dream of that, um, to surrender, what does that even look like? And what is it supposed to look like? And what is the timeline of it? And you know, when will we be able to meet again? And when will it be right? And, and what will it look like when it happens? And um, I just feel like I've really had to hold my hands just wide open to God in this time. Yeah. And, keep, and I keep reminding myself that the retreat isn't mine. You know, it, it was never my idea in the first place. I really feel like that was God's idea. I, again, I'm not an event planner. That was not something I ever dreamed that I would be doing. Um, it was a total act of obedience to even host the first one. And so I keep just reminding myself anytime I start to get really angsty about it, which there've been many, many days, um, during this season where I felt very bent out of shape about all of the things that are happening and trying to navigate it, where I just have had to remind myself, it doesn't belong to you. If it's not now, you can trust his timing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's been a, it's been a continual act of surrender, I would say. And pivoting wise, um, I just launched, what, what is this month? This is December. I just launched a pre-order and actually it's closed now, but it's, we're going to do something called a retreat in a box. And I've sort of been resistant to this because the event that I host is very much a in-person thing. It's really not something that translates well to online because it's more of a um, contemplative type of thing. Yeah, And so it's been like, how in the world could you ever do that online? Like you really could, I don't think you could well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been resistant to try to, to do that. But the idea came to me to have this retreat in a box idea, because there are lots of women who I hear from the event that I host is for women. And there's lots of women who I hear who are like, they either can't afford to come or they can't be gone that long or, you know, there's like any number of reasons why they can't get to the retreat. Right. And so I just thought, what if there was a way to sort of package up 
some materials that would help facilitate a retreat for somebody, um, but that they could do it in their own space where they were comfortable or where if they didn't have the money to travel, they wouldn't have to, or um, if they, you know, couldn't get the time away or they wanted to gift it to someone, they could give it as a gift. And so we just launched the pre-orders for the first one that'll, that'll ship out in the spring. And it's basically a combination of actual um, products, things that are um, kind of part of the retreat when we host in person. So like coffee and a handmade, um, I have a friend who makes these gorgeous handmade mugs for my retreats. Mm. And so there'll be a beautiful handmade mug in there, some reading material, but then it'll also have like a, um, a QR code that will link them to online content that's curated specifically for that box, for the theme of that box. That's so and smart. so if they want some like additional content for their retreat while they're at home or wherever they're doing it, they can just go to that specific link and have some, you know, some um, either like Lectio Divina or some different things, tools yeah. that they can use to help them facilitate their own retreat on their own time and whatever that looks like. So I'm, we'll see, it's a new thing and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, Oh, okay. Let's back up really quick. What is the retreat sort of originally encapsulate? What is it for? Yeah. So it's called refine and it really is, um, to invite women to come away, um, and really just be still with God. And so it's four days long and we do it at this um, beautiful retreat facility here in Ohio that really every aspect of the facility is geared towards helping you just sort of disconnect from your regular daily life and kind of step into this space where you don't care what time it is. You're not watching TV. You're not looking at your phone. Like you're just really trying to get quiet and be still and it's not a silent retreat like it's not like there's no talking or anything but it's it's a we're trying I'm trying to invite women to come away from their daily rhythm mm -hmm. and just spend some some time with the Lord because um, I think that's something that we just don't do enough of and I think retreat is um, really important for our soul care I just really see it as I know how it impacts me to go on retreat. And so, and I know from hosting them for, for the last five years, it's not unique to me. I know that when women come, they have a similar experience of just really being revived and restored and, um, you know, some refining too, where it's like one of the times of sort of like, if you said, okay, I'm going to go away and like, I'm just going to have to do some work with the Lord but it's not you really doing the work. It's really just you showing up and being present and letting God do the work. Um, so yeah, it's really kind of centered around that, just inviting women to spend some time with the Lord. So, and then in the transition of now, instead of inviting people to come away, you're inviting them to bring it into their home. Does some like surrender and like, does that feel vulnerable? Like what if nobody wants this? Or do you feel pretty like, confident in that <laughs> yeah it's a good question it's it's a little of both I feel it was very scary when I first thought about doing this box thing I was like oh my gosh this is like so weird I've never done anything like this and you know what if nobody wants it and then I just thought you know what it really doesn't matter like this is just an idea that I had and if nobody wants it nobody wants it and that's fine like it's just an offering and 
once I kind of went to that place mentally and just thought, I'm just going to surrender this thing, you know, like I'll just put it out there. Yeah. Uh, I felt very free to put it out there. I felt just like, well, we'll see what happens. And we sold some. So I feel like, uh, you know, I think that so much of the stuff that we get really tangled up about, mm-hmm. you know, stepping into with God, like, I feel like we just make it, we just get in our own way so much of the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I speak for myself, like I'm always getting in the way. So mm-hmm. I feel like if we can just kind of get out of the way. And to me, that's what surrender really is, is sort of just getting out of the way and just saying, okay, this isn't mine. Because I, I personally, I don't think like any of this stuff is mine. You know, I don't even think my life is mine. It doesn't really belong to me. Right. Um, and so if I look at things through that lens, it makes it a little bit easier to let go and surrender the outcomes or the expectations or hopes or anything. Because I know that it's, it's not even my responsibility what happens with it. You know, like I'm going to offer it. I'm going to do my part and do what I feel like God's asking me to do. But whatever happens from there is not on me. It's not my problem. It's not something I have to figure out. I just have to release it and let God do what he wants to do with it. I think so many people just need that and no strings attached here. Mm-hmm. Take this in your home and be refreshed in I think the only way to do that is doing that work of surrender to get out of your own way and just be obedient and leave things where they are. And just realizing like, it might not be for everyone, but it might be for someone, you know? Yeah. And you know, that brings up a good point because I think that our culture, we really like to measure things. We want to quantify everything. And it's very easy to say, well, if only this, you know, this handful of people want this, that it's not worth it or that it didn't make an impact. But, you know, I've seen over and over again, the retreat that I host, I can only take 44 women with me every time. That's all the room there is. There's no more space. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small scale event. But what we forget sometimes is the ripple effect. Like my life touches how many lives, whoever Mm -hmm. I come into contact with. And it's the same for each of those women who come on retreat. It's not just one woman it's the one woman and all of the people who are in her circle. And that's true for every single one of them. And so if you put something out there and one or five or eight people are, are stirred by it or moved by it or affected by it, it really isn't just them because they will share it and it will, and, and what happens to them because they participated in it will be impacted on somebody else who they talk to about their experience, or if they are changed, then other people will experience that change in them. Mm -hmm. So the reach is so much bigger, I think, than we realize. And if we get too caught up in like, how many people, then we, we really can miss the whole point of what God is doing. Yeah. Well, I'm super interested. I need a box. So that's awesome. I hope you offer it again. I'm, I would love to hear like, or see everything that's in it. That's beautiful. Thank you. I'm excited. We plan to offer a summer one. So there'll be a pre-order eventually for the summer box. We're going to do it four times a year. And I, I feel like it's an experiment worth playing around with and see how it goes. So. Right. And 
so many of us think about like, I think we have a little bit of delusion looking back before 2020 of like, everything was going so great. And then this thing came along and derailed all of our perfect plans. And it's like, Mm. well, there's a lot of stuff that needed tweaked and needed shaken out. And Mm. so I think being um, innovative and flexible in that way, really, I mean, there's so many people that probably need this kind of invention so much more than you could even know, you know, right now. Yeah. Well, my hope is that people will, you know, if people are participating in it, if they've never taken a retreat, that they'll realize the value of just carving out a little bit of time to really disconnect from your normal life just for a little bit, because I really believe there's always this tension because I totally believe that God will meet us anywhere at any time. I don't think that, you know, a retreat is like some, the only way you're going to connect with God is if you go away on a retreat. Mm-hmm. But I also know that um, I really believe that God is intentional with everything that he does. Yes. And if we say, I'm taking this time because I really want to spend it sort of reflecting on my life. I want to spend it in prayer. I want to spend this time connecting with God on a deeper level than I'm normally kind of able to in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. I've seen over and over again, the ways that God just like, he takes full advantage of the time that you've carved out. And it doesn't matter if it's four hours or four days. Yeah. Um, it's enough because God is more than enough and he shows up in that space. So my hope is that people will just, you know, start practicing some, some soul care in that way, because I think it's so critical. I just, I've seen what happens and I just am such a, um, big fan of making it part of our normal rhythm for our life. You guys, I wanted to remind you that there's still a few spots left for the Creative Sailor Retreat happening June 11th through the 14th. Come create, rest, and feast with us. If you're interested and want more details, you can DM me or you can email Retreats at gmail.com. always dread and have like a depression and an escapism that kicks in after Christmas and I'm just like get me out of here I hate this and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like the darkest part of the year going forward into the Lent season what can you like teach me about that because I felt like such a draw and a pull to like sit in that and it's becoming almost my favorite time of the year Mm. Well, Advent, I mean, I, I did grow up in a liturgical church, so I'm used to kind of walking through the different seasons, mm-hmm. but I feel like Advent is, um, it's such a good season. I love it so much. Advent and Lent really are my most favorite of the church calendar, uh-huh. um, and they're very similar. I feel like they are actually like um, sister seasons yes. because you kind of walk through the same sort of journey in both seasons. In Advent, you know, we're sort of walking towards the birth of Christ. We're waiting, we're, you know, we're looking at the world, kind of remembering that there was a time before Christ was in it. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that longing that the world had for, um, and that we still feel that longing for like healing and restoration. And like, we just want things to be right. We want things to be righted. And we see so many things that are not right. Um, and 
that, that longing and desire we have. So Advent is sort of that walking towards the birth of Christ and then celebrating, obviously, with Christmas, the celebration that, our, you know, we have a Savior and that he has come. And, and at the same time, we're living in that weird place of, like, we're waiting and yet Christ has already come, you know, and Lent is very much the same kind of process, except we're, we're walking those days um, towards the crucifixion and then the resurrection with Easter. Mm-hmm. And it's that same grief, it's that same kind of longing, and yet knowing that as we're walking through it, Christ has already come, he has already been resurrected, and we're, it, it's that, it's that, that is such a strange, like, mind-blowing concept to me, this living in the now, but also the not yet, but also what has already happened. It's so odd. And I feel like Advent and Lent both sort of call our attention to that. And I think it helps us put our feet outside of the bounds of time that we live in and think about the the world in a, um, like with an eternal perspective. Hmm. And I think it just is so helpful because we can get really um, stuck in our very human limited perspective of the way things are and advent i think sort of puts our puts our eyes like looking outside of that and remembering that like there's so much magical mysterious stuff happening in the universe because god is outside of these bounds of time and the opportunity to sort of walk through that story knowing what we know already but also considering it from where we are right now just feels really important to me. Yeah, it does feel important to me too. And to sit through, I mean, I love that our, like our world actually does the same thing. It just gets darker, 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 colder. Mm -hmm. And then you almost become like in late winter, I kind of become like I'm on a treasure hunt for signs of new life. Yeah. And it's taught me a lot and it's slowed me down a lot and it's <laughs> it's helped me i am someone who does not love to sit in the dark or in any hard things and it's taught me like how to just be slow and and be okay in the dark and like look for little signs of life instead of just like get me out of this get me out of this <laughs> mm-hmm. well i was just i put a quote on instagram from um Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, which I love that book so much, Mm -hmm. um, because she really unpacks the different ways that we we perceive the idea of darkness. And that's really helped me think about, you know, what are my issues with darkness? And what do we associate darkness with? And I think that as somebody who I, I don't love the dark, um, I don't, I don't think I'm really afraid of it in the sense that I used to be as a kid, but I, I'm not always comfortable with it either. I'm, I'm like this weird mix. So if you're an Enneagram person, I'm an Enneagram four mm. and I used to think I was not a melancholy type person, but I sometimes can go into these sort of, um, you know, metaphorically dark places in my mind and I can sort of get stuck there. And it sometimes feels more comfortable to be in that space than to like come out into um, like a happier space if it doesn't feel genuine to me. So I guess that's the kicker is that if it doesn't feel genuine, I would rather stay 
in the quote unquote dark um, than sit falsely in the light. If that, if that's, I don't know if that's clear. Absolutely, um, yes. So I, it can be a struggle for me because I, I'm not afraid to go there. I guess that's the other thing. And that is difficult for other people who are less willing to go there. Uh-huh. I can find that that creates challenges for me in relating to people when I feel like I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to go to those hard places and have those hard conversations. Uh-huh. And not everybody is, and not everybody is at the same time that you are. Um, and so that can be tricky to navigate and just try to feel like, okay, how do I, how do I be myself uh, without, you know, feeling like I have to pretend something, um, but also give people space to feel like they can come when they're ready. But I think it's just a reminder that God is in all of those places. He is in those dark places. He is in the light places. And we don't have to be afraid to go wherever we feel like he's leading us, even if it is to a place that feels dark for a while. So are you having another book come out soon? Um, no, no. So that's okay. the short answer. I'm, I wrote, so I have my Advent book that came out like uh, three or four years ago. My Advent book came out. Come Lord Je- or, um, that's Come Lord Jesus. Everything is yours just released last April, right? In the height of the yes. lockdown. Perfect time. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was like the worst time. Um, but yeah, so I don't have anything else that I'm working on right this minute, my retreat work. And I run also, um, a thing called the refinery, which is an online, um, artist guild. And it's a, um, membership community geared towards just fostering creativity and encouraging writers and artists and whatnot in their, uh, work. And, that takes a lot of time. So between those things right now, I really haven't had much time to work on another book project, but I feel like one's brewing. I've got an idea that just keeps circling the, you know, the track in my brain. And I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I gotta think about it a bit. I'm really thankful for everything you're putting out. Like where I'm a little behind you in my creativity journey and it's been like hard and yeah full of surrender and full of scared vulnerability and um your voice has really been an encouraging one to me so thank you for that keep going friend keep going (laughs) that's what I want to tell people like don't quit and I know that um that imposter syndrome is so real but you just keep going. So I'm just cheering you on. I hope you'll keep pushing ahead with the things that you feel like you need to to put out there because I just feel like everybody has a place at this table. The table is big enough, so 